Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Blaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're going to talk postpartum plan. We're going to go deep into it, things you may think about, things you didn't think about, things you should think about, as well as the all-important how do you deal with with family and guests showing up and expecting you to be a host when you just had a baby. So we have Grace Seely. She is a New York City-based childbirth educator and postpartum and birth doula and lactation counselor and midwife assistant we have her to chat with. But before we do, I just want to give a quick reminder. If you're enjoying the podcast, you're getting information out of this, you feel others should hear about it, please take a minute to go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're hearing the podcast from. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people find us. Also, we started a donation fund for Yoga Birth Babies. It just helps keep the podcast going. There's a lot behind the scenes of how this goes. There's someone that does the sound engineer, someone that does the editing, someone that produces it. So it, it, so it's a passion project, but it would be fantastic if you decided it would be great to leave a donation. With that, I thank you. And I do want to shout out to Ashley in Geneva, Switzerland, who did leave a very generous donation. So thank you so much. All right. So with further ado, let's get on and we'll talk to Grace. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, Grace. I am so excited to speak with you. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time and energy. Hi, Deb. I'm super excited to to speak with you because I listen to your podcast all the time. Yay! <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny talking to you because we've never met in person, but I'm like, I know this voice. Like, <laughs> You're like, this voice has been in my head before. Ah. Yeah, it's very, very familiar. That's hilarious. <laughs> I know so much about you. <laughs> I know. We kind of lay it all out there in this podcast. Well, I'm excited to speak to you about the postpartum period. So the way that I came up with even approaching about this topic is I had asked my students, because at this point, we've done over 100 episodes. And I'm like, where are we going with this? How many else can I do? And I asked the students, I'm like, what do you guys need? And they were talking about you know, a, a plan, like postpartum, you have like, there's so much focus on baby and, you know, like labor, pregnancy, birth. And then all of a sudden they have this baby and they're like, now what do I do? And especially right. the one topic I'm interested, especially as a postpartum doula that you are about dealing with family. That was something that everyone's head was nodding. They're like, yeah, give me some clues there. So yes, 
We got got some juiciness to jump into. But before that, I would just love our speakers to hear a little bit about you and what brought you to this line of work. Sure. Um, So I started off as a birth doula um, way, way back in 2002 when there was like one one organization that did trainings. Um, and at, once I found out what a doula was, I was like, Oh my God, I definitely need to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and eventually like, you know, I would, I didn't really give that much thought to postpartum because it was something that was so foreign to me. Um, I was still, you know, like in my twenties and I wasn't thinking about babies so much. I was just like really thinking about the birth and the woman and, um, just the beginning, you know, which is what most people do. And then I had my own kids <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, a light bulb went off because, um, I went from, you know, thinking so much about the birth and like being totally prepared and then being completely sidelined by the way my birth turned out my first birth. And then what came after, which I was like, oh, right. Now I have a baby (laughs) that doesn't really sleep. And I am healing from, you know, from I had a C-section with the first with my first child. Um, So I needed to kind of like think about it for the first time. And it it really opened my eyes to um, to what my clients had been going through. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel like I, I had been kind of doing a disservice to them by being like, I'll see you in two weeks when, you know, by two weeks, so much had happened already. Um, and then with my second child, I was like, okay, I definitely feel like there's something missing here in this equation because I am, you know, I'm here for the baby. My husband's here for the baby and for my my first daughter, but there's nobody here for me. I kept asking myself, like, where's my person? Where's Mm -hmm. the person that's going to take care of me? And so that really um, was the thing that that made me decide that this was something that I really wanted to do. It made me learn a lot um, about what people go through. Um, And and just it it became like this new topic of fascination for me. And it's, it's been that way ever since. So I've been practicing for four years as a postpartum doula pretty steadily. I, um, I, I have been practicing as a birth doula, but I just did my last client, uh, for a while, um, on last week. And, uh, and now I'm trying to decide what's next. Um, but I think postpartum support in some kind of way, lactation support is where I'm headed. Um, I think it's so necessary. I really feel like... Sorry. I remember, I, I think I took a similar path to you around 2002 is when I opened PYC. And then a couple of years, maybe a year or two later, I, I started my, I did my birth doula certification. And I remember reading on the donor website about postpartum and I'm like, ah, someone else will right. do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like someone else will do laundry. I don't like to do my yeah, own laundry. Exactly. I'm not doing someone like, else's. Oh, and it's funny until exactly. I think I'm with you there too. I think so many of us, until we have our own kids and see that, and some people don't need that. Some people are totally drawn right. into the postpartum before they have kids. I, it sounds like you and I were not that person that like, no, I don't think it was revealed to how hard that period can be for some. I mean, our postpartum doula of myself, my husband, like that was our savior. I mean, like we counted mm-hmm. the hours until she walked in the door. <laughs> So I think it's definitely the unsung hero. Yeah, yeah. I um it's amazing. Like once I started, once I became a postpartum doula, like the work has never stopped. You know, there I haven't had like 
lulls because there's always a need. And I feel like at this point, you know, 17 years later or whatever, 16 years later, since my first training, there is a lot more information about what postpartum doulas, you know, are, what mm-hmm. they do. Hopefully this um, podcast will also help to to spread the word a little bit more. Um, and I think that a lot of organizations are combining the postpartum or more postpartum information with their birth uh, training. Oh, that's because great. It is, it's, it's all connected, you know, and you can't... Um, you can't have people that just went through like this huge experience that are now like, you know, you have a baby and not think that there's going to be um, some back and forth in between kind of like the information that was necessary previously and the, the information that you need now. And just physically, you know, doing that transition from being pregnant and then going through labor um, or having a cesarean to having a baby. It's a huge transition emotionally yeah. and physically. Absolutely. I want to ask one question that kind of diverts us a little bit, but this is for the birth workers that are listening. So when you were saying that you were doing both the postpartum and the birth work, how did you manage the scheduling of that? Because my mind goes to like postpartum doulas. I'm like, oh, it's a little more scheduled. Like at least you have a day of warning and birth doulas is like, okay, you're in labor, drop everything, go. How did you find that balance? Like if you were in the middle of a postpartum shift and one of your, did you just have a lot of backup? I did. I, I did have a lot of backup and I always told my, my, uh, postpartum clients like, Hey, there's a person that's, you know, near their birthing time, um, at some point. So I might have to cancel at the last minute, or I might have to postpone, or I might have to leave. Um, and I always made sure that there was like very open lines of communication with both types of clients. So uh-huh. I was like, you know, I'm, I do postpartum. So if you feel something in the morning and you feel that, that it might be, you know, early labor, let me know so that I know either to bring my stuff with me or to just find somebody else to go for, for those clients. And thankfully it never kind of, it never became an issue because a lot of my clients always went into labor. Yeah. A lot of my clients went into labor like at night in the middle of the night. Yeah. So I wasn't, with a client, you know, presently. Um, no, that's pretty amazing. Cause I've had a, f- I had a few never, I was always birth doula, but I had a few that I was in a labor and then I got called into another. And sometimes I had to have my backup. I mean, my backup, I was very fortunate. I'm sure you probably know Terry Richmond. Um, yes. she's an amazing, I feel so the fortunate awesome Terry Richmond. with yeah. the awesome Terry Richmond. I mean, I was so fortunate that she's been my mentor and my friend for years. And so if I had another birth, she was the one that stepped in. I'm telling these people, I'm like, you have no idea how amazing she was. So oh yeah. All right. Let's and you see. know what's really funny? Uh, just one yeah. tiny digression. Sure. I think Terry actually had something to do with me becoming a doula in the first place. <gasps> Well, cause she's amazing. Very, <laughs> yeah. She was, she was like the doula for my coworker ages and ages ago who, um, then told me what a doula was and told me how amazing she was. And that, and then I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. She really, I was so fortunate that, um, she had just started birthday presents with Jada in 2002 when I started PYC. And then when I became a doula, she was already teaching for us. And so she was just, I was so fortunate to have such a skilled and giving and generous mentor. All right, let's get back. Cause there's a lot of pregnant yes. people listening to that's like, I don't care about this. So, all right, let's, <laughs> let's, 
let's shift it over. (laughs) All right. So what do you think the most important aspects of the postpartum period uh, is right now? And what do you think people should consider when they're thinking about preparing for after baby? So the number one thing that I find that people, that it's really hard to kind of like get across is exhaustion. (laughs) The level of exhaustion that parents are going to feel, um, you know, from the birth and from pregnancy and then being basically like drenched in adrenaline for that first week Mm -hmm. and then having a crash. Um, And we know that newborn babies are basically nocturnal. So it it all kind of like comes together in this, you know, I don't know, hurricane of (laughs) exhaustion. Like people are just like really, really exhausted. And so I think one of the things that we have to plan is like, Although it's very hard to plan for something that you've never experienced before Mm -hmm. to plan for like, okay, what would I do if I hadn't been able to sleep for two days or three days? Like how would my, my life kind of change? Um, Who is going to be around and who do I feel comfortable having around during that time? Or do I want anybody around? Um, And then the second thing that becomes a, a huge priority is feeding the baby. So how is the baby going to be fed? Is breastfeeding going well? What's happening if it's not going well? It just becomes like a big topic of conversation. It, it's kind of like all encompassing and they kind of go together, the exhaustion in the, in the breastfeeding or feeding of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things are the two things that I think people should really kind of like plan for and think about really thoroughly before. Um, and then the other is, you know, making time for healing, for physical healing, which is something that we as a society, as Americans, don't really pay as much attention to as we should. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes to like the physical healing of the mother, of, you know, of, of the birthing parent. Um, there's a lot that goes into, we, you know, we have no idea what the labor is going to be like previously. We know kind of like what a textbook birth might be like, but every time there's a birth and as a doula, you know, this, it, you know, every birth is different. Um, and every body is different in the way that your body or my body respond to the process of birth is going to be very different. But for most people, there's going to be a time that they need to heal. And so, um, trying to think about making that time, like the first two weeks, you know, making, um, as much time to be in a healing space and in a healing kind of like mental space, um, can be really, really helpful. And then the fourth thing that I really, um, recommend for people is to like, try to take the experience as their own and not pay so much attention as to somebody else's experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Because we have, you know, our friends, our family members, celebrities, people on Facebook, they, you know, people are, I think are more open to talking about what their experiences are like now, Um, but they're still their experiences. They're not our experiences. So So time to process. Yeah, exactly. Time to process and time to to think of like, this is my own time, you know, like, and, and what my mom, what happened with my mom has um, yes, it had something to do with me because I'm here and so on, but it's not necessarily going to be the same. And that's something that I run into as a postpartum doula quite a bit of having, um, either a sister 
a sister's story or a mother's story be tr- sort of like start to become their own, like the story of the new mother mm-hmm. um, or overshadow parts of it. Or, you know, people are trying to find like what's the commonality and it's great. Yes. We all have lots of things in common about our birth, but each person's experience um, is their own. And I think that taking the time to process it and to think about, you know, like, wow, what did I just go through? And what does this mean for me? Um, you know, can can have a lot of, uh, a lot of like really good effects on like how you continue in your parenting. And also, especially if the birth wasn't picture perfect. Right. Um, I think that, if you don't mind me jumping in about that, I think that needs time for processing because it's so easy for an external person to go to, and I'm sure you've heard this, oh, but it's all about yeah. the baby, the baby's okay. But if the mom had something challenging, having people almost invalidate her feelings is not going to help. So, you know, finding that processing time. Can I also jump in and ask you a little more? I love you talking about the healing time. Can you go deeper into that? Because you totally touched on our societies. Like you had the baby, get up and be back in your size two skinny jeans and be walking your baby and going to CrossFit. So can you you back up a little (laughs) bit? I'm I'm exaggerating. I'm painting a very exaggerated, slightly exaggerated picture. But can you talk a little bit about... What, especially if a new parent is listening to this, Nate, they, they really don't know about birth. What might ex- be expected on the other side physically? And I know it's quite the gamut from like nothing to, you know, a episiotomy or tearing or C-section. What might that healing time be like? Right. So I try to break it down into, um, into weeks and, and try to talk to parents about, um, what can you expect the first week? What can you expect the second week and so on? And what I'm noticing is it is that kind of like, okay, the birth is over. I'm expected to, you know, go to the pediatrician, you know, immediately, um, or like get some cooking done or something. And so, you know, I, I say like the pediatrician should be like, you're only outing that week if you can make it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that people can expect are basically just physical discomfort and like I said exhaustion and physical discomfort as far as um you know if it's a vaginal birth then your vagina is gonna hurt your vaginal area um might be swollen uh might be a little bruised um there's also you know like a lot of first-time moms there's some tearing that happens and stitches and like having to sit for a while when you're breastfeeding can be really uncomfortable. Um, so trying to find ways around that can be really helpful. Um, and also, you know, for some people it's just like body aches, you know, cause you get in like really weird positions when you're trying to push a baby out. And, um, sometimes those positions are positions you've never been in before or you have. And then the relaxing in your body, like the extra hormones make things kind of like not go back the way that they're supposed to right away. Um, or like you, if you're like pulling your legs really hard when you're pushing, your arms might hurt, your shoulders might hurt. There's a lot, or like you're clenching your jaw. Um, so there's a lot of like physical, um, physical discomfort that might come along that first week. And then, you know, attached to that is the fact that because a lot of people go into labor at night or they like start at the night, they lose in generally I've I've noticed in my clients, they lose like an, a day of sleep before Mm -hmm. labor gets going. Um, so, and then, you know, as it progresses, some people have really long labor, some people have really short ones. And so what the effect of being awake for that long and being 
doing things for that, that amount of time when we're not used to it. And then immediately after you're handed a, your baby and then you get this like rush of endorphins and rush of, you know, uh, of additional hormones that just make it really hard to calm down and to relax and be able to sleep. Um, so there's, there's that aspect of, you know, sleep is one of the, the things that heals the best. And, you and know, it's in my so opinion, lacking. And that's what's, <laughs> it's so lacking. It's, it's so like, lacking. we know <laughs> it heals day. mentally and physically. You're in a much mental, clearer space when you sleep physically, you can start to replenish. And unfortunately there's just not a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and that I, I feel is one of that was one of my blind spots when I was going into uh, becoming a parent, and it seems to be one of the blind spots for a lot of people as well. They're like, "But babies sleep eighteen hours a day, no? Like, how am I not going to be able to get sleep?" I'm like, well, they sleep in twenty minute increments <laughs> or forty minute increments, um, and you have to feed them in between, and you have to change their diaper in between. And you know, once um, you start breaking that down. It's like, this is how it's going to happen. This is like wh- how it's likely to be. And th- this is normal newborn behavior. Then they start to figure out like, oh, right. Okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Like a feeding isn't just, you know, put them on the boob. There's like changing and burping and the pooping. It's just, it's, it's a whole, I remember having like set up out in my living room so my husband could keep sleeping. Like I'd go out, I'd feed, I'd change a diaper, I'd burp, I'd bounce back to sleep. Like it was just, it wasn't a quick, my second, I I figured out a little better, but it wasn't, it wasn't so quick. It was definitely like it disturbed my sleep pattern. It wasn't like a half sleep, half feed. Well, um, just before we move on one quick thing about, since you had a C-section, we know that statistically a third of, of birthing people are having cesarean births. Can you just touch upon what can be expected of the healing? Because again, I think it's so commonplace that I don't think people mm-hmm. see it as it's major abdominal surgery. So there's an after effect on the body. Right, exactly. Um, and that's, that's another thing that can be really surprising um, because, because it is, is major abdominal, so major abdominal surgery and, um, and you, you're given a lot of like pretty heavy drugs at the beginning. Uh, so you may not feel all that much the first day or the second day, but then the third day you start to feel like, oh, okay, this is really actually major. Um, and at this point your baby is like awake and trying to cluster feed. Um, so, so one of the things is like not being able to walk as well as before, like not being able to stand up completely straight. 
um, the effect of having your abdominal muscles basically cut, you know, so you're, you don't have that much of that much, um, that core strength support exactly from your core. Um, and then there's, you know, there's still bleeding that happens, postpartum bleeding. You're still, your uterus is still contracting every time you nurse because your uterus is trying to get back to its normal size. Um, and just having surgery, like any kind of surgery that's invasive in that way will take a toll on the body. So, um, so I really, really like to, to make sure that the parents that have a cesarean that we talk about, like, okay, so who's going to be with you at night? Who's going to be able to help you to get up or sit up or roll over? Um, and making sure that there is some support there as much as possible throughout the day, because um, it's, it's, it's actually quite painful. It can be. I've, had, I, I've actually had clients that have been like, I feel great. I feel fine. Um, Good. But that's rare. <laughs> that's really rare. Most people are like, oh my God, I feel like I got hit by a truck. Um, and I that, imagine, that yeah. I find is like normal, you know, like going from being pregnant and carrying this like, you know, baby inside to then having a major surgery and then having to carry the baby on the outside and trying to figure out everything that new parents have to figure out. Um, it's not only physically taxing, but emotionally and, and psychologically. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I feel for them. I had, I had a hernia surgery, um, when my daughter was a few months old and that's abdominal surgery too. And I was just like, Ooh, if this is hernia, I can't imagine like cutting even deeper and cutting the uterus. All right. Anyway, let's keep moving. Cause we have so many questions for you. Yes. So when you're working with postpartum clients, what are some of the most commonly asked questions you hear them bring up about parenting or caring for their newborn? Well, the number one is always about sleep. Sleep is number one priority for everyone. And everyone wants to know, you know, when is the baby going to sleep through the night? <laughs> and then I have to break into him and take nap for a while. <laughs> um, how is the baby going to sleep? Where is the baby going to sleep? Uh, how should the baby dress to sleep? What's the proper temperature? Like all of those things take up a lot of, a lot of attention. Um, and generally you know, talking with parents about normal sleep, normal newborn sleep patterns. Um, it, I think it's really important to like figure out, you know, we all, everyone in the family is going to need some sleep at some point. And for adults, we have preset patterns already. We have, um, circadian rhythms that tell us like, Oh, the sun is going down. It's time to go to sleep in an hour or two. Baby, newborn babies don't have that yet. So, um, so it's, uh, what I try to do is try to figure out with them, like, how are they each, you know, each person in the family going to be able to get like a two hour chunk of sleep mm-hmm. and then maybe another two hour chunk of sleep. Cause that seems to be the way that people can actually survive, <laughs> um, without totally like losing their minds. It's like getting two chunks and then two chunks and two chunks or like a chunk and a chunk. Um, and if we can make it so that it's like four hours for one person, three hours for another person, and then like cycle through, um, and then kind of like getting on the baby schedule a little bit, like not, not assuming that the baby's going to get on your schedule, but you getting on the baby schedule so that you're doing similar things than what the baby's doing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, everyone says sleep when the baby sleeps, that doesn't always work. You know, in the middle of the day, you might not be able to fall asleep or you might have to like, 
you know, do things like call in shower or shower. <laughs> yeah. Eat, eat the bathroom. Those are the biggest things. Like I remember being, um, having like my two week old and being like, okay, so she's asleep and I have to use the bathroom and I want to go to sleep and I need to eat like, which one of those things can I skip (laughs) so that I can get to the other ones. Um, and it was usually like sleep was the one that I had to skip, but at some point it kind of like came back to haunt me. So, um, and then, yeah. And then figuring out like, how are other things going to happen? You know, um, but I think the sleeping thing and, and sort of like newborn, um, newborn temperature is really important for people. Like, is the baby too cold? Is the baby too hot? How do I know the baby has a fever? Um, and do then you, signs of, signs of like hunger. Yeah. I was, was going to ask, do you find that parents are very concerned about, since I know you are a lactation counselor, is the baby getting enough? How's my latch? Do you think that is a concern right. for a lot of people prior to having a baby or they haven't even thought of that yet? For the most part, they haven't thought of it. They're, you know, I've had a, a lot of clients who, um, they're like, oh, they're, they assume that a, they're going to learn about it in the hospital with a nurse or that it's just going to work out. It's just going to, I just put the baby to the breast and the baby is going to know what to do and I'm going to know what to do. And it's natural. And, and then it's like a huge surprise when it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now, um, as time has gone on, I've been getting hired prenatally more, more often, uh, than not. And then when we do have like a conversation, I'm like, okay, so you need to know about breastfeeding before you get to breastfeeding. You need to know like what to expect, what a good latch is and so on. And so, um, I try to give a lot of information and for all of my clients, I have, um, like a Google drive with tons of information on breastfeeding and on, uh, the postpartum period and, you know, birth and so on. So I'm like, if, if worse comes to worse, you don't have anything that you can go on, at least go here and look for this information and, you know, print out some of the things so that you at least know what to look for. Um, so that's that starts to lead us in the idea of creating a plan. So that's kind yeah. of helping you be like, okay, let's start to think plan. So let's right. go deeper into that. How would someone create their postpartum plan? Right. So I am all for like cheating and Google. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a ton, like if you Google postpartum plan, there's like a ton of plans online from probably other postpartum doulas. I haven't posted my mine online, but I do have one that I that I give to my clients as a as a PDF file. Um, and it's basically kind of like the the way that I explain it to people, it's like, it's looking at your life now and figuring out what your priorities are. And then noticing that there's going to be a major shift and figuring out how you can keep those priorities sort of on the forefront. Oh, I like so, that. Can you give an example? Right. So for example, um, if somebody, if one of the parents has, um, like a standing appointment that they need to go to either with their therapist or with, um, you know, a physical therapist, let's say, Okay. making sure that that person is going to be able to go to that appointment so that if it's the, if it's the non-birthing parent, that somebody's there with the birthing parent while this person is going to that appointment. Um, and if it is the birthing parent, then who's going to go with them? Who's going to hold the baby? You know, who's going to be there, et cetera. Um, and then for example, there are other people, there are people who 
just cannot deal with, um, with sleep deprivation. Like sleep deprivation is either sets them off like emotionally or psychologically, or if they have, um, if they have an illness that does not tolerate sleep deprivation, then noticing that and, and figuring out like, okay, so how are the nights going to work? If for the most part, we're learning about this baby, we need like six hands basically for at any one point. Um, but there's only going to be two or there's only going to be me and, and this person needs to sleep because otherwise they're going to have a relapse, um, like a physical relapse, let's say. So figuring out like who can come over at night and how often and for how long uh, and then figuring out also like who are the people that are around you that can offer support, um, who are the really good helpers, because a lot of people will be say like, oh, just call me anytime I'm available. Just give me a call. I'll do whatever you want. But they don't but really mean it. <laughs> but they don't mean it. Or they're, or they're trying to make you figure out what you need when you don't know what you need, mm-hmm. you know, or, um, or they just, you know, they say that they're available, but they're not. So figuring out the people that are that like, let's say your friend already had a child and she knows like, okay, let's go over it. Like, this is what it was like for me. And let's talk about what it might be like for you. Like, what are some things that might be, you know, what, what you might need? So, um, so I like to also like think about who are the helpers and who are the people that are just going to come to like keep you company and hold the baby and look at you and expect to be guests in your home. So those are the people that you might want to wait until they come see you a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a lot of clients who are like, I don't want my mom to come right away because I don't want her to see me in like, um, if I a like lose it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know she's going to have like her own opinions and I want, I don't want any of that. So they decide to like hire me for the first week or two. And then once we've got it together and like breastfeeding is going better, they've gotten some rest and they're like, okay, my mom can come and I feel like I can deal with her emotionally. Um, or the, you know, the, the in-law or, or, you know, somebody else in the family or their sister. Um, so figuring out like really right, having a, a very frank conversation. And I think one of the things in postpartum planning that has to happen is that the, the couple, if it's a couple need to figure out, like have like a really heart to heart conversation and say like, okay, who do we actually want around? Who do we want around? Who's going to be really helpful and that we can be ourselves around and be as messy as we want, you know, in any form, like emotionally, physically, our home, our environment. Um, And who do we feel like we, we need to like, kind of like keep it, closer you know like and and maybe not show as much um and so for those people it might be like a best friend um for some people hire me because they're like oh this person's not emotionally invested in in our um messiness they've seen it all before they know you know they know what it's like and then for some people it's you know it is their parent it's like one of the parents um and they're like my mom helps me has helped me better than anyone else has been able to help me. And I've been able to cry with her and it's been fine. And then I've had other people who are like, Oh no, no, my mom, I had to send her away. Like she just was not helping. So, um, having, having like figuring out who your set of, of support is your, your circle of support. Um, and then figuring out who, what is that person? Like this particular person is good at, 
And what do I feel comfortable asking them to do? Would I feel comfortable asking my friend, my best friend to throw out my garbage? Yeah. Or, or, you know, like do my laundry? Um, Or would I feel comfortable with having her come over and just drop off some food? Well, let's bring that up. Because I actually want to go deeper into the whole parent visiting friends, family, but I want to ask, I want to stick with the postpartum plan for a little bit longer, but I still want to dig into the other one. So when you're talking about the food, can you give some hints? Because that was something I've heard a lot of people surprised about. And I remember being like food, what food I can barely eat. Like, you know, like I just barely had time. Talk a little (laughs) bit more about like food planning. What do you suggest, especially as a postpartum doula? Is that something you jump in and help with? Yeah, it will. It depends on on the couple. Like the whole thing about being a postpartum doula is like it's all dependent on you know on what's going on. So prenatally, if we're talking prenatally, I like to help them think about maybe planning meals ahead of time, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe freezing some food. And and we can use one of my sessions for me to come over and just like cook for four hours, you know, do a number of dishes and then freeze them for them, so that when the time comes, they don't have to think about it so much. Um, and there, again, Google postpartum planning. There's a, a ton of stuff out there where you can do, um, you can do some planning on like how to fill your freezer with food. And I think that's that's the the most helpful one and the most economical one really um, is just to you know like take some time and decide like what are our favorite foods, what are some comfort foods that we would really like to have, what are some really healthy foods that um, that we feel might be. Um, you know, might make us feel like we're in a, in a good space. Yeah. Cause if you have um, too much takeout, at least from my experience, when I have too much takeout, cause that's one of the joys of New York city, it's can't get anything. I found yeah. after a while, if we didn't plan well, then it just, I started to feel really gross from just such the yeah. heaviness. So when yeah. I did have some, cause we had a wonderful postpartum doula when she did pack away some food, it just, I felt better and it made my mind yeah. more clear. Exactly. Well, yeah. what are so, some of the details that you think people forget? to put some time and energy into? Um, so one of the, the, the number one, I would say is the, the what ifs, you know, like, oh. so the what if, um, and the, the one that I find that is a big hole is like, what if the baby doesn't want to sleep in the bassinet? Oh, that's <laughs> a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it happens a lot because babies are so used to being close to us and babies want to be picked up all the time. They just came in from being in a warm, you know, Caribbean environment, I like to call it. <laughs> um, so, so sometimes, you know, like the assumption is, oh, we don't have to think about where the baby's going to sleep. The baby's going to sleep in the bassinet, right? Um, and so sometimes that doesn't work. And we find, you know, I end up coming in and talking to parents that are like, oh, my God, I fell asleep on the couch with the baby last night. And I was like out for like two hours. Um, and obviously that's not safe. Right. And or falling asleep on the bed with like a ton of like comforters and so on. And just like due to the sheer exhaustion, like not noticing that you're falling asleep and there you are with the baby in the bed. Um, so one of the things that I really like to discuss is like, why don't we plan for the possibility of bed sharing and the possibility of, even though you, this is not your plan, like what would happen? How would it be the safest way to do this if you found yourself in that situation? Um, because the, the most dangerous thing ends up being like not planning for it. And then it happens. And then 
it, it's it's a totally unsafe. Like falling asleep on the couch with a baby, like your arms can fall up and your baby can roll away, right? So just having that, like knowing what safe bed sharing can be so that if you notice that it keeps happening or like, oh my God, I get so sleepy at two o'clock in the morning, maybe we can do this in a safe way. Like maybe um, if, you know, noticing if the partner is like a super heavy sleeper, like, okay, so maybe I can't lay down on the bed with the baby and, and do this. Like maybe it has to be something else. Or maybe um, there's another place that's safe for, to, to like fall asleep with the baby next to me. Um, so I'm not saying I'm not advocating for bed sharing. I just want to advocate for safe sleeping conditions. Yeah, I hadn't, um, I love no that. I hadn't even thought about the what ifs. That's so, that's like, okay, big takeaway, big takeaway, everyone, the what ifs. Cause I don't think people <laughs> think they'd say, okay, here's my plan. Here's, you know, a little bit about it. And then you're so right. What if that does, you know, what if they can't do that? Or what if right. you, you just plan on breastfeeding and there's problems. Like what if you do that? Exactly. Wh- who do you reach out to? Yes. I love right. this. So the that what if. My second point. Like, <laughs> what if it doesn't work out? The way- <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm blowing your mind. You are. Cause um, I never thought about yeah. that. Cause I always thought, okay, here's our basic plan, but yeah, the what ifs, like I'm planning this, but I need my, and it's crazy that this is just occurring to me. Cause I always in birth, I'm like, you have plan A, B, C, D, E. Like it didn't right. occur to me postpartum that you need big what ifs, you know, I like that. Big what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other one I was going to mention is breastfeeding. Like what happens if, you know, the baby doesn't just get on and, you know, start suckling away and my, you won't. know, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now we know that most people um, have some breastfeeding issues at the beginning, you know, that they have to kind of like get over the hurdle um, those first two weeks and like who, so planning for like, who do I know that's going to be able to help me, you know, clinically, if, if that, if it comes to that, um, figuring out how much lactation education your, your pediatrician has. So is that the person that I'm going to trust with telling me exactly what I should be doing to get my baby to latch on or to feed properly? Um, or do I need to know someone else? And, and then, you know, talking about like, what are the differences between a lactation consultant and a counselor, you know, like that there's, there's a big difference in between, um, figuring out where there are support groups. And I know that you have a support group mm-hmm. in PYC. That's awesome. Um, so that would be yeah, one thing think, if I can jump in and give my own yeah. little two, two cents here, I think for creating the postpartum plan, definitely have some sort of lactation help and also yeah. Have several different types of support groups. We have a breastfeeding support group, but we also have a new mom or new parent support group. And for the partner, I think it's super important to know the signs of postpartum anxiety and depression mm-hmm. because you can be so wrapped in the bubble that you may not start yeah. to see the edges fray. So I exactly. think that should be in the postpartum plan. Um, yeah. Because I don't think that, I think that's one of those things people may not think about or want to think about and be like, no, 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 that can't happen here. Right. Right. Or, you know, uh, the other thing is like, um, people that have had like health, uh, mental health issues in the past. And it's like, it's been like way in the past. They're like, Oh, that was like so long ago and we dealt with it and it's fine. Um, one of the things that I like to, to recommend is to have like, just have one conversation with like your, your therapist, like Mm -hmm. before having the baby and then one after having the baby 
And I call it having like a baseline. Yeah. So that you, the, the lines of communication are open. You don't feel like you're calling this person out of nowhere, that they don't know what's going on. And then if you feel like there's, you need that kind of support, you know, like, okay, it's not so hard for me to pick up the phone and do, and have, you know, like a one hour conversation with this person. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people do have therapists. This is New York City after all. So <laughs> I'm only speaking from experience. I know that you're, um, that the podcast is, you know, not just about New York. Well, everyone but... should have a therapist on speed dial. That's <laughs> Oh, I think so. It, it could be so helpful. Um, but, and, and then, you know, speaking about just like the postpartum period and the postpartum plan, like one of the things that we never talk about that I feel is so important, is like just the need to go outside yes. and get some fresh air and see other people, um, see that the world is still going on, you know, see that people are still going in to get their coffee, you know, and like still going to work. And oh, it's yes. not just you and your baby by yourself. Well, I remember like the first time I left the house, so we had a home birth and I w- it was a long home birth. So we yeah. were basically in our house for like two days, just getting the baby out. And yeah. then everyone descended on the house and I spent probably another two, three days in the house. So at one point, I think my, someone said, all right, just get out of the house, go across the street and just get a pedicure. So I remember leaving on 72nd mm-hmm. street and seeing it's busy. I'm like, the world is still going. And I just had a yep. baby and I haven't been outside. <laughs> like it was, it was a very surreal, almost like Martin Scorsese moment of like, whoa, yeah. like I just saw the world in these big different eyes. So yeah. Yeah, I think we can forget that the world is still going and the world doesn't know what just happened to us. Yeah, and no, we're just like no. another little, you know, piece of sand going through. Like, it just, I remember that being mind boggling, mm-hmm. which kind of yeah. leads me to the fact that like, it was my, my family telling me to get out. Let's get back a little more to family and guests, because I think yes. that is, that's a tricky topic. So let's, mm-hmm. before we get into the postpartum, you and I have both dealt with this as doulas suggestions for dealing with guests and family during labor? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's a big one. That's a really big one. Um, How many times have you seen that? Like I have seen someone just having a really stalled labor and then someone leaves the room and you're like, whoa, what happened? Something changed. Something like shifts. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, what's funny is that I see that a lot in situations that are not hospital hospital births, because in hospital births, you're at least in New York City, you're allowed two people in the room. And it's usually the partner and the doula if I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everybody else has to kind of wait for their turn. Um, but in at home births and at um, birthing center births, it's like it could be, as be many as like 11 people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what i when when people when we when we talk about situations like this um that's one of those things that another like very honest conversation needs to happen um because ideally you only want the people there that are going to make you feel at peace that are going to bring you either physical or emotional comfort that are people who don't mind seeing you kind of like lose it you know and like what i tell people is like you want someone there who's not going to mind seeing you naked, um, seeing you vomiting, seeing you pooping, maybe all at once. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it can be really intense physically. And who's not going to make this about themselves? Because mm-hmm. this is about you. So um, 
So somebody who is, um, who, if they see you, you know, naked and vomiting is not going to be like, oh my God, that's so gross, you know, or, um, or how can you be going through this? Why don't you just get the epidural or whatever, you know? So people that are going to be like on your, on your side. And obviously everyone thinks like, of course I'm going to be on her side, but it's like, but you have to be pretty selfless, you know, like when you go into it and, and know that she's going to be okay. You know, there are people that are there taking care of her and the baby and it's going to be fine. It's really uncomfortable to see someone that you love in pain. So just like really kind of like keeping like, um, what do you call it? Like, like, um, like a statue face, you know, when you see somebody that's in pain, you're like, just, just think that it's going to be fine. Um, because what I find myself doing as a doula, when there are people that are really, really nervous, it's like then having to comfort them. Yeah. It takes you know, it away from the, the mom. Takes it away from the mom. Um, just so that their energy is not kind of dragging everyone else's down. So, um, in those situations, I'm like, would you mind going to get, you know, oh, ice, get a ice, ice. or even leave. Yeah. I've had them leave. I'm like, okay, only the Dwayne Reed up on 78th street has this type of Gatorade that we need. Would you mind? Go get <laughs> yeah. Why don't you get something completely out of the ordinary that, you know, we haven't spoken about needing, but we need it immediately. Um, yeah, a, a lot of that. So, and I find that having the, the mother's mother there sometimes can be, a little bit detrimental for that because it's her baby, you know, yeah. she kind of remembers what it was like to, to give birth. Um, and she has her own story going on about her birth. So a lot of the times it's kind of like, Oh, this happened to me. Oh, that happened to me or this happened. And they to may me. not even remember correctly. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. And, yeah. And I also find like it takes a real, I've seen, I've attended some births that the mother is there for the birthing person. It takes a very special, vulnerable, open relationship because yeah, I've seen it go the other way where the, <laughs> the birthing person's trying to almost be the pleaser for right. some of the other family members. So I've had to play bad cop, um, which I, right. let them hate me. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, yeah, well, let's then shift it to dealing with family and guests. Once baby arrives, we started talking about this, but let's talk about how do you set boundaries? It can be really hard because again, sometimes you want to be a people pleaser as the new parent, but it's really should be about the new parents. Right. Right. So um, and most people feel, you know, they've just gotten over this vulnerability of like being in the hospital, maybe for the first time in their lives, like, you know, overnight or, um, or just like the, the labor itself, it can be just like something that they have to like wrap their mind around. So again, having people that are going to be there, um, that are going to put your needs first and number one is rest and getting, getting the birthing person, like fed, resting as much as possible, you know, like having like whatever her physical needs are above and beyond everything else. You I'm going like to throw baby, in there too. They have to be okay with seeing her boobs because 
Yes. <laughs> because yeah. I remember being breastfeeding and my father-in-law walked by with like his hands by his eyes. He's like, I'm not looking. And I'm like, I don't care. Uh-huh. <laughs> like they have yeah. to, it has to be a comfortable place where the, the breastfeeding person can't be shamed that her boobs are hanging out. Cannot. Yeah. Cause they're, they will be out all, all the, the time. time. It's like, the, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just going to be out. So, so yeah, exactly. So maybe having your father-in-law come when like, once you know that <laughs> breastfeeding is a little bit, you know, like a little bit more under control, <clears throat> um, or having like that very prudish aunt, you know, maybe come <laughs> a little later, um, that yeah absolutely so who do that's you, a that's a huge that's a because yeah, boobs are everywhere so how if, if someone chooses to breastfeed so how who do you suggest does the talking though because is do you feel like that's where the postpartum doula might need to be the bad cop or do you need to think one of the other the non-birthing parent or the the new parent like where do, who, where do you think that should come from i think it depends on the situation i've played bad cop plenty um but I think that it's um, that that it comes out better when it's from the non-birthing parents because oftentimes it's their own parent <laughs> that is causing some of the strife. Um, but also, it's like it's their it, they're a family, right? And they just increased the family. They added a new member, and of course, everyone wants to be around the new member. But there's other things that need to happen, and like boobs is one of them or like talking about your vagina might be one of them. Um, so, so having, uh, those conversations like together beforehand, which is why I think having like a very frank conversation ahead of time before you get to that point and being like, okay, so here's what we're going to try to do. You know, like we're going to have my mom come the second week and then your mom come the third week or have them come for half a week. And again, it depends on like where the parents coming from. Are they coming from Europe or China or are they coming from down the block? You know, like (laughs) you can't keep the person from down the block away for two weeks, Mm -hmm. obviously, but keeping, if, if you have your mom down the block or just like in another borough or like upstate or something, um, keeping those, those visits, like a doctor's visit, basically, like keeping it short and sweet and having them do something that is useful. So if mom is, you know, 75 years old or 80 years old, because, you know, a lot of our parents are older because most people that are giving birth now in New York City are also older. Mm-hmm. Um, if that is the case and all your, you know, all grandma wants to do is hold the baby. It's like, OK, fine, you can hold the baby. I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to take a shower. And then I'm going to take the baby back to feed. If that makes you uncomfortable, then, you know, that might be a good time to leave or, you know, or, or run an errand or something. Um, would, would you recommend setting the expectations of help that they receive from family pretty low? Or am I just being kind of an obnoxious person for saying that? <laughs> no, no, no. I think, you know, again, it depends on, on the situation. But looking again, looking at all of the people that are helpful and figuring out what their strengths are, you know? So like, for example, and I hope my mom never listens to this, but she was, not, she wasn't helpful other than withholding the baby, you know? Like, so I had to be like, do you want some water? Do you want something to eat? So that wasn't super helpful for me. Um, but having, but her mother, her sister on the other hand was like, oh, I'm going to bring you some soup and I'm going to bring you this and I'm going to, you know, what do you need to happen? Um, so figuring out who the person is that is going to do those things for you. And if you don't have someone 
then hiring a postpartum doula. <laughs> and what I've realized, my own mom, who again, will never listen to this. I know she has some strengths, but um, helping like that is not hers. But financially, she and she knew this. So financially, she used her strength of offering um, postpartum doula. She paid for it because she Excellent. knew she was better at providing it. <laughs> from someone right, else than herself. It. And I appreciated yeah. that, you know, so right. I think, and we, we both had this conversation beforehand. So, yes. cause you know, she came, she helped, you know, she sat, she held the baby. She loved the baby. It was her first right. grandchild. Um, but you know, she knew that, uh, making me food or doing my laundry or taking the garbage out, not her strength. So, and not so she, she was honest, yeah. we were honest mm-hmm. with each other. So she financially provided that. So I think that could yeah. be even a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially um, parents that are coming from far away so that you know that when they're coming, they're not just coming for like one day, they're coming for a week or for like a really long weekend talking about like, okay, do we expect them to stay with us? Is there room here? Do we want them at an Airbnb nearby and they can come during the day? Or like, is this going to be kind of like a trip to New York city with grandchild on the side, you know, like, which can happen. You know, a lot of people are like, we've never been to New York city. We're going to go to a show. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then they might come over, you know, once a day for two hours and see the baby. Um, so having those conversations before, and maybe even, you know, I think like the partners have to have the conversation together first Mm -hmm. so that they're like, okay, we're on the same page about what we think granddad a is, you know, going to be able to do, or, you know, grandma, you know, C, et cetera. Um, and then real, real honest expectations, like real, don't think that who you've known your whole life is, or however long is all of a sudden going to change because baby's here. Like what has the past taught you about what you can expect of help? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if grandpa only likes to sit down and like watch CNN all day, don't expect that to change. You know, that's his comfort zone. So he's going to come over, maybe say like, okay, we want you to come over for dinner, you know, or like come over for mealtimes. And then after that, you know, we're going to nap or figure out like, you know, a nice way of saying it. But I think like being, not being shy about your needs is, is like the number one thing about parenthood, you know, like figuring out like, you need to be able to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And these are people that are, if they want to help then they can do these certain things for you. Yeah. Uh, Either financially or like physically. Yeah. Well, as we start to wrap up, let's go with what piece of advice do you want to give to the pregnant person? Um, Getting to know other pregnant people in your area. I think that's huge. Like figure either. Community is the biggest lifesaver. Um, either people from your, you know, from your the classes that you take when you're pregnant, like childbirth education or breastfeeding or CPR or whatever, um, figuring out if there are meetup groups in your area, um, Facebook groups where you can, you know, like, actually, no, scratch that. Facebook groups have their place, but I don't think, I, what I'm talking about is really, Finding people that you can meet up with when in that are in the same boat as you. So figuring out people that are kind of like sort of gestationally where you are um, and who are going to be having their babies around the same time so that you have people that have had their babies and can be like, oh, that's totally normal. That happened with us. And 
you know, they'll grow out of it in two days. And then people behind you who can kind of remind you of what, what you just went through sort mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And then people that are like, just have babies just like you. Um, and that you can go out and complain and be like, Oh my God, my boobs are leaking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this has never happened before. Um, for me, that was a lifesaver. Like it, I think, uh, one of the things that we also don't talk about enough is the isolation of being a new parent. Yes. Um, and having, having like someone who is not gonna, you know, like it's great to have your work friends come visit and, and check, you know, check in on you. And it's great like to have, you know, like your, your regular friends. Um, but having someone who's going through the same thing that you can just like talk each other's ear off about baby poop and they're not going to be like, Oh my God, I'm so tired about hearing about baby poop. Like your baby poops. So what? But to a new uh, parent, it's, it's the topic. It's and, that's, and, and that's where I think like yeah. new mom support groups. I met a wonderful group of women. Some of them I'm still in contact with when my son was 10 weeks old. And we, if any person sat in and listened, they're like, you people are insane. But like we would <laughs> talk about, you know, baby poop and then eventually when they start to eat food like what do you feel like these are conversations that the average person would be like this is so mundane i cannot deal with you but to a new parent it is everything and you need that you need that container yeah absolutely so let's shift it to what piece of advice would you give to a new parent although i guess you kind of just said it's the same thing like community get out is there anything practical that we didn't and going outside yes um I think the going outside part is like the number one thing, like being able to like not be um, just in your own little world. In Looking your out cocoon. the window. Like it's fine to be in your cocoon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, there goes somebody walking by. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder what they're doing. You know, <laughs> I've had those, those feelings of being like, I wonder what that person's going to do today. And I want to stress. I like just sitting in the winter, day. it's harder. I had a summer baby and a winter mm-hmm. baby and I see this on the other side, like as, as working in PYC, but as a son with a summer baby, I kind of just tossed him in the bassinet and we were out the door with the winter baby. There was more concern about, is it too cold to pay, take baby out? And then you have to do all the layers. And it felt very isolated. I'd literally be standing at my window in my apartment, like, Oh, there's a world and it's out there. And I wish I was yeah. part of it. So you're like really finding a way to get people to help you get out the door. Yes, absolutely. And, and noting, um, noticing or being aware that it's going to take a while to get out the door. And that's probably going to be each and every single time. Yes. Um, you're, you know, you're going to be looking for your keys to head out the door and then you hear the baby pooping and then you have to go <laughs> back and like take all the clothes off, take all the layers off. You know, by this point you're like half an hour late and you're so, sweating because so you're that, still in your coat and you're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, we've, you've been there. I've been there. Uh, <laughs> we know what that's like. Um, yeah, but again, like having being able to to have people that are like going through the same thing, they know like, oh yeah, that happened to me, or it's okay. You know, like sometimes you're the one that's late, sometimes they're the one that's late, or sometimes they just go to each other's homes and hang out, you know, um, and be in each other's mess, and that's totally fine. And I loved that. I actually loved that. Yeah. Be like, we're just gonna show up, we're just gonna kind of be in this together. Yeah. And the babies are gonna like hang out together and whatever you know like my oldest daughter who's gonna turn seven in november like her oldest friend is someone you know someone that we met like i went out to a a mom's group when she was three weeks old and i was like i need to get out of the house and it was like around the corner from my house like i didn't even have to cross any streets i just like went down the street and down the street and that was it um and i met this mom whose baby was i think two weeks older than mine or a week older than mine 
and we just bonded. And now they're, they went to kindergarten together. They went to first grade together, second grade. We hang out all the time and they're like, we're each other's oldest friends, you know? I love um, that. And it's like to have the community for us as, as women, but also for them as children to, to grow up together. Yes. Um, so I, having like in your neighborhood is really great. And then also expecting sometimes they're, they're great friends for a little bit and then you kind of outgrow them, but just having that community at the time. So as we start to wrap yeah. up, where can people find out more about the work you do? Um, so my website is nurturinggrace.com and that's with two G's. And I'm also on Facebook under nurturing GVS, G as in grace and then B as in Veras and S's and Sealy because I couldn't for some reason I couldn't do nurturing grace on Facebook and then Instagram is at nurturing grace doula and I'll have that uh, all on our show notes so people can start following you, you. <laughs> thank you yeah I'm not so great with the social media um but my website is always updated and um and it's great I and yeah I offer not only thank you thank you so much yeah I, I, I try to offer as many things to prepare parents as well as like postpartum, you know, like um, I have right now I have a, someone who just contacted me and they're like, oh, that thing about like, we just had a baby. What do we do now? Like, we want to hire you for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a two hour thing. And I just like break it all down. So. Oh, well, yeah. you did a fantastic job of breaking everything down for us today, for our community. Thank you so much. Okay. You had such wonderful wisdom. And I really feel like those that listen to this will be like, okay, postpartum plan. I need one. I need to have, you know, all the what ifs there. I need to be able to talk ahead of time. I think you really gave some great information that people, you know, I love that a podcast just goes everywhere. So all over people can chew on and be prepared. So I think when we feel more prepared and confident, it just makes for a smoother transition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you for all your time. Thank you. That was really, really great um, talking with you. Good chatting. All right. Take care. Bye. You too. Thanks. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.